0: You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. 32 metronomes all doing their own thing, moving at their own uh vibration, moving at their own uh, rhythm, doing their own thing like that, all because they share vibrations on a platform. They come to share the same rhythm, the same pattern, the same uh, rate of clicking. Um, 32 metronomes, all doing their own thing, come to be in sync with one another. So friends, my name is Spencer. I'm the pastor here. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 22, because we're going to be talking for the next three weeks about a very similar idea. How do we take thousands of people who call Schweitzer home, thousands of people who are all doing their own thing thousands of people who have different ideas different vision different thoughts different experiences different hopes different expectations how to take thousands of people and move in sync with one another what are the vibrations that we share as a congregation as a community that that move us together to advance one mission one aim one goal that we work together towards and so as 32 metronomes share a vibration that eventually bring them in sync together what what does that look like for us as a congregation as we uh, share life together and move in a similar direction for one mission for the next three weeks we're going to be talking about the vibrations that we share the the values that we share that hold us together that move us forward Um, in this way. So we're going to look for the next three weeks at one passage. It's five verses. We're going to look at it in three different angles as we explore what is um, these these common things that we share together to move us forward in our life together. Matthew chapter 22, we're going to look at five verses. These are famous verses. So if you've been in the church for very long, you've probably heard this before. But here's how it goes in Matthew chapter 22. It says this, an expert in the law, Tested him that is Jesus with this question Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandments. And the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So here you have these five verses. We're going to look at these for the next three weeks in different angles as we explore these. Three weeks as we look through this. And you have um, here what we call, in in kind of church world, we call this the great commandment. You've probably heard the great commandment before. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, everything that you are, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. The great commandment is what we call this. Now, this is my sixth sermon with you. As I'm, you've been counting, right? It's my sixth sermon with you as your new pastor. And in each one of these sermons, I've asked you to open your Bibles and uh, I've had some people ask me, Spencer, do you actually expect us to open our Bibles? Hey, you do you. Whatever you want to do, it's up to you. It's up to you. I find it helpful to open my Bibles as I, as I read the Bible. I, I'm the kind of person who I read the news on my phone. I read books on a Kindle. I study the Bible, like Bible commentaries on my computer. But when it comes to actually reading the Bible, this is like the only thing left in my life I actually get a printed copy of as I read. And, and the reason I do this is because sometimes when you're reading the Bible, it's helpful to understand more about what's going on on the page than just maybe that one paragraph you're looking at. And, and so we call that, in Bible study terms, we call that context. And sometimes when you look at the context of something, you can see so much more about that verse than you can see if you just look at those particular verses. Matthew 22, this famous passage, that if you've been in church before, you've heard it, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It, in the context of this, it's it's even more powerful as you look at what was going on around this time as Jesus said these words. And so if you have your Bibles, here's just let's walk through a little bit of the context here as we come to understand what it is that Jesus is saying and why it is that these uh, five verses here, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself, how these can be a common value set for how it is that we move together in sync towards one mission. So, Matthew 22, it opens. If there's kind of one episode here, it opens. We're not going to get to there quite yet, this this verse. Uh, Matthew 22 opens with a parable, which is the stories that Jesus told. And the parable is one of those very strange parables. So, sometimes maybe you read the Bible and you're left wondering, like, what was that about? It happens. All of us get there. I have advanced degrees in theology, and I still sometimes read the Bible and I'm like, what was that about? Sometimes the Bible can be confusing, and Matthew 22 opens with one of those stories that's just that's just confusing. It's a story about a wedding where no one shows up to the wedding, and so the king who's throwing the wedding banquet says to his attendants, just go find anybody who can come. The invited guests didn't come, so go find anybody who can come, and they, they fill the banquet for the wedding with a riffraff and, and um, all the people who would not normally come. No one's dressed right. There's like... Things get out of hand like you might expect, and, and it's this story about how in God's kingdom, everybody's invited. It's not just the religious. It's not just the moral. It's not just the well-to-do. Everybody is invited to what God is doing. Well, Jesus tells this story, the religious and the moral and the, lead, the, moral, the moral folks and the leaders and all of those people, they, they get upset at this. They get a little ticked off. And so here's what we read right after Jesus tells this parable, Matthew 22, verse 15. It just simply says this. It says, the Pharisees, that is the religious leaders, they went out and laid plans to trap him, that is Jesus, in his words. And if you keep reading through Matthew 22, you read some some questions that these people come to Jesus. The first one, a very famous question is, Jesus, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or is it not? Now, if you're ever asked that question, or especially in the first century, if you're asked that question, that's like a no-win kind of question. Because really what they're asking is, Jesus, where do you fall on the political uh, landscape here? which is a terrible question to ask Jesus. And, and Jesus, because he's smart, by the way, Jesus is smarter than you are. Don't, don't try to outsmart him because he's smarter than you. Jesus, he's right through and he gives us great answer, give to God what is God's and give to Caesar what is Caesar's and, and he silences them. Well, then another group comes and asks Jesus another question, trying to trap him in his words, and, and this is about the resurrection. It's, it's kind of a confusing question as well, but essentially this man dies, and what happens to his wife when the resurrection, and Jesus, because Jesus is smart, he answers it and cuts right to the chase and, and silences them. And then comes a third question, which, by the way, if you're reading the Bible and you see things happen in series of three, always pay attention to that, especially whatever the third thing is, and the third question question that comes up to Jesus we read it just a few moments ago is this teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law which is the greatest commandment in the law now are, have you ever been asked a question that when you hear the question you realize that there's a question behind the question like that happens to me all the time and maybe it's my profession I get this question all the time like like someone comes up to me and and, and says you know preacher you know what does the bible say about i don't know divorce and I could answer it with, you know, the Bible says this in Matthew 19, yada, yada, yada. Or, or, I, or I could answer like that. Or I could say to somebody, well, why do you ask? And usually if I can ask that kind of question, I can discover that there's oftentimes a question behind the question. Well, this question is asked to Jesus. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? There, there's, a, there's a question behind the question. You see, in the Old Testament, there are this section of the Old Testament called the laws, Genesis through, through Deuteronomy. It's called the Torah or the Pentateuch at times. And, and in this section, there's 618 laws that the rabbis counted. And when we say the laws, we're like the commandments of God, which how in the world could you ever keep track of 618 commandments? I struggle with 10, and they've got 618 commandments that they had to keep track of. And there was this huge debate in Jesus' day about which was the most important, which, which kind of rabbinical school do you belong to? You see, what, what's really being, being asked here is Jesus has asked this question, which is the greatest commandment? It's, it's, this is not a question of, Jesus, what does God want for me in my life? It's, it's not a question of, Jesus, how do I honor God in my life? No, 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 this is a question of, Jesus, whose side are you on? Jesus, are you with us or are you with them? because there was this huge debate in Jesus' day about how you answered this question. And and so what they're doing is they're they're trying to determine, Jesus, what what box do you fit into? You've just told the story about who's in and who's out and it offended all of us. And so Jesus, we don't understand where do you stand on these things? Because here's how the world works. The world loves to draw boxes around people. And we like to label those boxes. And we like to draw lines and put people on different lines and try to push people apart from one another. And there's this incredible urge in our world, it was in our world, it was in their world, to, to divide people and to separate people and to, and to cause us to go from us and them. And we create all kinds of categories where we want to put people in different categories. And so when Jesus is asked this question, this is not a question of, Jesus, how do I honor God with my life? This is a question of, Jesus, where do you stand Are you with us or are you with them? What box do I put you in and how can I label you? And so Jesus answers it in such an incredible way. We read it a few minutes ago. Let's read it again because it's just that important. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. In other words, love the Lord your God with everything that makes you, you, love God with that. Notice Jesus doesn't reply to this question because it's a question of division. He doesn't reply to this question of, well, here are the most important things. Let me rank them out and list them and and put them over here or over here. He he replies instead with with this statement about an invitation to a relationship. This is how he replies to this. So love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Have a relationship with your creator. And the second, it's like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two things. I find it fascinating that a question that is meant to divide, a question that is meant to label, a question that is meant to create division, Jesus replies with a statement about relationship. A relationship with the Lord, a relationship with one another, and a relationship even with ourselves. And so as we explore over the next three weeks some questions about how do we do life together, how do we we work in sync with one another even though we have thousands of different people who call Schweitzer home and thousands of different people who have different ideas and different visions about the church and about who we are and about who we could be, Jesus answers this question about division with an invitation towards relationship. And I find this to be so incredibly compelling that what Jesus wants from us is not to fit in nice little categories, but rather that we might belong together and to him in relationship. And so we ask this question today, we're gonna unpack this for the next three weeks, three loves that we find in this very important passage, this great commandment. We find this call to love God, we find this call to love our neighbor, and we find this call to love ourselves. and we find this call to love in that order. And so we're going to explore this passage according to those different angles in that order, that we love God, that we love our neighbor, that we love ourselves, and we put it in that order and we look at what does this mean for us. And so this morning, as we start this series, let's consider that first love that Jesus invites us to, that we might love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with everything that makes us us, we love him with that, So what does it mean to love God? How do we grow into this and what does this look like in our lives? Well, there are all kinds of ways that we could answer that. I could give you just bullet points probably from the Bible about how we could answer that, but instead I wanna draw us to a very simple idea about what it means to love God. A simple and yet I find a very compelling idea we find from the scripture. First John chapter four, one of Jesus' best friends, in fact, John says he is Jesus' best friend, In 1 John chapter 4, John tells us this about what it means to love God. He says this. says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He goes on and says, this is love. Not that we loved God. Catch this pattern here. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I want you to catch that there's a pattern here that the love of God doesn't originate with us, according to the Bible. The love of God originates with God. That we love, not because we have created something or we have willed something or we've worked really hard for something, but rather, we love God because very simply, He has already loved us. And however simple this next line might be, it needs to be said, because I know that there are people all the time who doubt this, and, and don't believe that this is actually true for their life. So let me just say this, anyone who might, who might doubt the reality of this, God's love for you is independent of anything you have done, could do, would do, should do, or might do. God's love for you is simply that, He loves you, period. End of sentence. No qualifiers, no conditioners. That's it. God loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his one and only son into the world that you might have life through him, that he would do anything for you. And if you've ever doubted God's love for you because of that thing that happened or that thing you should have done or or how it is maybe you didn't live up to the what you say you believe or anything you might put on a condition for why God might not love you, the proof of God's love for you, friends, is the cross. Anytime you see the cross, this is the statement that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son into the world that you might receive the gift of his love. And so if we're going to be those who love God, it always, always, always starts with us receiving, first and foremost, his love for us. It always starts with that. I don't love God because I want to love God. I love God because I realize that he has loved me first. I love God because I've received a gift of his love. And, and that, that, uh, that, that relationship there where it begins with God's love and, and then I receive God's love, this is the, the, the essence of what we call the gospel, that, that our God is giving his love to you and your job is simply to receive it. And the more you receive his love in your life, the more you open yourself to that reality the more you are then going to love God in return. That's just how it works. It's counterintuitive, but this is how it works, that our love for God is always, it always, always originates in his love for us, always. Now, with all of that said, here's the challenge I found with loving God. Um, It becomes very easy to settle for less than that. It becomes very easy to settle for less than a relationship with God that's built on love. And uh, let me, let me kind of share with you how this has worked in my life. So I'm gonna tell a story, but to set the story up, I need to say something about the story to, to tell the story. <laughs> and uh, first of all, let me just set it up with this. Sometimes you hear people t- tell stories about how God has spoken to them, and you, like God told me this or that, and, and I, I just gotta be really upfront with you. I'm not the kind of person who, who says very often that God has said something to me. I, I don't generally like that language. I find a lot of people used it kind of manipulatively, and so I, I generally never say that God like spoke to me. That's not to say that I don't feel like God leads me or guides me or anything like that. I feel like God is very active in my life, but I, I generally don't say that God you know, said something to me. But today, let me tell you about a story where God said something to me. <laughs> and I, don't, I, I say that very lightly because I, I feel like there's just been a handful of times in my life where I just received a word from the Lord, uh, the voice of God spoke into my life just very, very clearly. And it's not been like a, 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 a lot of things, but there's just been a handful of things that, that I just like, I know that I know that I know that God spoke to me. Not like a voice thundered in, in my life or anything, but I just know that I know that I know that God spoke to me. And uh, one of those times, each, really, each one of those times, I, I feel like God spoke to me. Uh, were, were like turning point in, in my life. Like, like God showed up and, and intervened in my life in, in a way that, that created a new direction for me. One of those happened right when I was out of seminary. I was, I was in my first uh, pastoral job. And uh, I, was, I was right out of seminary and uh, there's this thing they don't teach you in seminary. And here's what they don't, they, actually there's lots of things they don't teach you in seminary, but here's one of the things they don't teach you in seminary is that working in a church is actually the most dangerous thing you can do for your soul. I didn't know that. It's like a best-kept secret. And it sounds counterintuitive that working in a church would be dangerous for your soul, but, but it is. Because it becomes very easy for all of the things that you should do in private to no longer do those things, to kind of neglect those things, instead to do them in public. And so it's very common for pastors to no longer pray privately, but only to pray when they're with people, or, or only pray even more dangerously if they have a microphone on. I mean, very, very dangerous place to be. Or, or some pastors will, will not uh, spend time in the Word, and instead they'll just uh, study the Bible if they have to write a sermon or they have to like, do a Bible study. And, and it becomes very uh, commonplace for a lot of pastors to kind of live in this way. And, and I found myself out of seminary ill-prepared for some of, the, for some of those kinds of things, and, and I was starting to live in that kind of way myself. And, and I realized uh, because of this moment I had with the Lord that, that I was kind of skimming in life. Do you ever felt like that before? You're just kind of skimming, like there's, you're just kind of on the surface of a lot of things, and you're not going deep in any relationship, you're not going deep in anything, you're just kind of skimming along the surface, and that's where I was. I remember exactly where, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that's where I was living at the time, driving down 51st Street, and I heard the Lord say to me, I mean, this was like thundering in my heart, not a voice, didn't come through the radio or anything like that, but I heard the, Lord, the voice of the Lord just kind of say to me, Spencer, you've come to know me professionally and not personally. I just heard this resound in my heart. I remember exactly where I was. I pulled over in a Chili's parking lot, and I wept, because I had this realization that the direction that I was on was not one towards loving God, but was one on something else entirely. And I had this realization that uh, I was well on my way to becoming a successful religious professional and yet missing a relationship with the Lord. And, and I realized right then, like sometimes the curtain gets pulled back on your heart and you, and you see yourself in, in the real light and it's a painful thing. And I realized there that there was a difference between those two things. Like I could easily go down the road of becoming a religious professional or I could be somebody who is deeply in love with God. But, but those two things are, are oftentimes separate from one another. They're not the same thing. Because to be a religious professional and to go down this road in this direction meant that I was, I was becoming very good at being in front of people. I was becoming good at being on the outside. I was being good at, 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 at morality and good at all of the things that is religion. But I was beginning to miss out on this deeper thing of a relationship with the Lord. You see, there's a difference between being good at religion and, and being someone who's in a relationship with God. And so I had this turning point in my life where I, I was like, I don't want to become somebody who's just good at being a religious professional. I, I want to be somebody who this is authentic. I want to be somebody who this is real, that I, I genuinely love God, because other than that, I'm not going to continue down this road for very long at all. And, and I realized I had to make changes in my life to, to become the kind of person who wasn't just good at religion, but I was good at and, and growing in a, in a relationship with the Lord, and so as I think about this, this invitation that Jesus gives to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind, it, it reminds me of this, this place that I was in at that time in my life where I realized, you know, I can, I can go down this road of being a religious professional, being good at religion, or I can invest deeply in a relationship with God. And I realized to myself, you know, it's not just me who struggles with this at times, It's it's not just me who sometimes settles for just living my faith on the outside of my life while on the inside things are quite dry. It's not just me who, who from time to time can put up a good show on the outside, but on the inside I'm just skimming in my relationship with the Lord. It's not just me who sometimes goes through the motions and doesn't have a deep, dynamic, personal relationship with the Lord. You see, friends, Our father did not send his son to die on the cross and be raised again three days later for us to be good at religion. Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise three days later for us to look good on the outside and be good at morality and be good at going through the motions. Jesus died on the cross and he was raised again and the spirit was sent to us because God's will for us, God's desire for us is that we might have a deep, personal, dynamic, active relationship with him he's not looking for people who are going through the motions and look good on sunday morning he's looking for people who can embrace a deep relationship with him This is the invitation that he offers us. This is the invitation that when people wanted to divide everyone according to these different boxes and and put lines and labels everyone apart from each other, Jesus instead, he invited everyone, forget about those labels, instead let's embrace this deep, dynamic, personal relationship with our Father in heaven, given through his Son, filled by the Spirit that we might grow in him. And so this morning, as we start this series, we think about what is the thing that holds us together? What is the thing that that moves us in the common direction? Well, I'll tell you where it starts. It starts when we have a deep, personal, dynamic relationship with our Father in Heaven. When we realize that the gift of the Son that He's given to us and the Spirit fills our lives. This is the beginning and the end of Christian unity. This is what holds our church together. So friends, this morning I, I just wonder, I wonder if there's anyone here who could relate to that story I told. I wonder if there's anyone here who maybe feels like they're going through the motions more than they have something deeply at work within them. I wonder if there's anyone here who, who needs to return to what the Bible would say our, is our first love, a, a commitment to knowing Christ and walking with him. I wonder if there's anyone here who feels like maybe they've been skimming in their relationship with the Lord and just like me in that Chili's parking lot on 51st Street in Tulsa, someone needs to maybe make a turning point where we realize I don't, I don't wanna be just good at what it looks like on the outside. I wanna have something deeply at work on the inside. I wanna have a dynamic, personal relationship with my Father in heaven. I wanna love God, not just with my good deeds, but rather with everything that I am on the inside, my heart, my soul, my mind. Because what Jesus is inviting us to is he's inviting us to this relationship of love with our Father. And so this morning, if you are somebody who would say, you know what, if I'm to be honest, I'm going through the motions. If i to be honest, I look good on the outside, but on the inside, there's not much at work. If I'm to be honest, I'm just kind of skimming in my relationship with the Lord. Let this morning be a turning point for you because God has something more for you. He has love that he wants to give to you. Would you be open to just receiving that this morning? Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks that you desire so much more for us than just a religious experience. You want more for us than just going through the motions. You want more for us than just looking good on the outside. Would you forgive us for the ways that we settle for something less than what you have for us? Forgive us for the ways that we set aside spending time with you, for the ways that we set aside growing in our knowledge of you, for the ways that we neglect uh, our, putting our hearts and our minds focused on you. Because, Lord, the reality is you gave your one and only Son not just for us to have a religion, a set of beliefs and morals and doctrine, but rather, God, because you want something deeply personal in our lives. And so, God, may we be the church. May we be the folk who, who come together to know you, to walk with you, to hear your voice and respond to you and to live in a deeply personal relationship with you because what you are inviting us to is something profoundly personal. For anyone here this morning who has struggled with maybe just going through the motions, they feel dry spiritually, they haven't encountered uh, the Lord in a while, may this morning be a turning point where we just simply confess with our hearts and our mouths and and our minds, Lord, I've been neglecting this and I want to return to you For anyone here this morning who who maybe doesn't have a relationship with the Lord at all, uh, maybe you've been on the fence about faith, may this morning be a chance for you to simply say to the Lord in your own words, in your own way, Lord, I want that kind of relationship, the kind where I can know my creator, my Father in heaven, and walk with you. Would you forgive me of my sin and help me to come to you? And so, God, today I thank you for this invitation to relationship with our Father in heaven. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.